Welcome to Second Nature Podcasts. My name is Mike Brown, and this is my story. In the spring of 2016, I was lost, going through the motions, listening to whatever that demon told me. I was done with school and coaching for the year. I hadn't started working my summer job yet. I found myself with time, and with that time I needed to get out of Calgary. So I took a midweek trip to the family cabin on Lake Windermere that my grandparents have had for over 60 years. Now I wasn't going away to think or gain clarity. I was going away to drink. I had to get away to feed that demon, to shut it up for a few days. On the way out of town, I bought a 15 pack of beer and a bottle of whiskey. I got to the cabin and away I went, starting with a few beers, then mixing in some Ryan gingers It was hockey playoffs, so I was waiting for that to come on. While I was waiting, I sat at the table under the deck that looked over the water. I was alone. I was telling myself, this is the way that it is. You don't need anyone else around. You've got your beers and your whiskey. You've got hockey you can watch, somehow fooling myself into believing that watching it was still good for me. So that's what I did. I downed every one of those beers and made it through that bottle of whiskey. Pretty safe to say that I don't remember passing out on the couch, but I do remember waking up the next morning with a hangover that I had come to know, but easily bearable when I could get right back on the horse again. Having to check the scores of the games from the night before, because nobody was home by the time they started, I skipped breakfast as I always did and went straight to the liquor store to stock up for round two. This time, a 24-pack of beer and another bottle of whiskey. I didn't hesitate. As soon as I returned to the cabin, I grabbed a beer and started there. After a few of those, I poured myself another drink, all the while I was playing music to distract myself, sitting at that same table, again, alone. But I wasn't alone. I was in the company of what had become my best and most toxic friend. I was feeding it what it wanted. This was its favorite place to be. Somewhere we could focus on the main goal, intoxication and escape. I sat there only getting up to pour new drinks or grab another beer. The drunker I got, the deeper the escape. Passing out and getting up and doing it again for a third day in a row. By this time, it was Thursday or Friday. I can't remember exactly. My brother had heard that I was there, so he started texting me on the second day. He was busy and living in a different city, so we didn't see or speak much at this time, but he was coming to the cabin that weekend. After going at it heavily for three days straight, I woke up on the day he was coming, and I was in rough shape. Somehow I needed to pull it together, enough so I could avoid questions when he arrived. I cleaned up and got rid of the bag of beer cans and empty bottles of whiskey. When I got back from doing that, the shakes had started. I knew I wasn't going to be able to function as the withdrawals kicked in, so I grabbed another beer to right the ship. I ended up having at least five or six before he got there. Funny thing is, I remember more from being alone and wasted than from spending any time with him. This is episode five, who I had become. A full year passed, another much of the same. 
coaching in school while my mental state got worse and worse, culminating into the person that I had become. My anxiety, depression, guilt, and shame left me lost, lonely, and afraid. My resentment had me trapped and exhausted. I had reached my bottom again. There was only one place lower to go. The thought of suicide would cross my mind at my lowest points, but I can't say that I was ever truly there. Numerous times the idea would enter my head. Maybe it would be easier if I just put an end to all of this. Then I would think about all the people around me. I couldn't handle the thought of putting them through that. It pained me. Even though I knew I was already causing them stress, I knew that I was loved. That love kept me going. I knew it was just waiting for me to accept that I needed help. And deep down in my darkness, I still clung on to knowing that I was a better person than I had become. I was capable of doing good in this world, capable of something other than all of this. I just needed to help myself, untangle this mess that I had created, which was the hardest part. Once I helped myself, then I could turn my focus back to others. Up until this point, I was always ready to put someone ahead of myself. If I wasn't actively drinking, it was always easier to do something for someone else than to deal with my own issues. That's just the way I was, and I think a lot of people are. I would do what others needed of me, regardless of what I needed for myself. It wasn't until I finally gave in to this truth, I needed to be honest with myself and realized there was only one person that needed help. My guilt was overwhelming. Guilt with the decisions I was making while intoxicated. Guilt towards the actions that were straining relationships. Decisions that did not line up with who I wanted to be. These decisions were amplified when I would go to the rink to coach with an extreme hangover. These kids deserve better. They deserved my full attention. They had given me their trust as their coach. Meanwhile, I was breaking that trust every time I drank and used. If they knew what their supposed role model was actually doing, that trust wouldn't exist. My shame. The idea of what I had become was too much to handle. A kid with so much potential, with dreams and high hopes, relegated to a life controlled by addiction, unable to control his impulses, and the need for short-term relief from pain his actions had caused. My resentment towards myself. The opportunities I wasted because I'd rather get drunk. Daily thoughts of living through all the mistakes I had made creating a self-hatred for the person who had made those decisions. Decisions that would lead to all of this. Not taking responsibility for himself, making excuses, and taking the easy route. My anxiety. Not knowing what I did while drunk. Playing out every situation in my head the next day. Trying to remember, too scared to look at my phone. Being scared of going to school thinking as I walk the halls, everyone knows what I did last weekend and are judging me for it. Also not being able to go home to a place I grew up because I feared an intervention 
and I know it hurts them to see me in this kind of shape. My depression, the weight of it all, putting on masks to fool others, and more importantly, myself, as I go through life hoping one day it might get better, but taking no action on my own in order to make that happen. I was alone in all of this, and that loneliness was crippling. My heart was empty. I did not love myself, and therefore no one could love me. My heart hurt, as I wanted to find someone to love. I knew I had so much of it to give, yet I was not capable in that former state. Knowing that if I let them in, they will find out who I had become, and most likely run for the hills. I wanted to grow up. I wanted to experience life with someone. I wanted to go on couples trips, have dinners and simple nights at home, not be third, fifth, or seventh wheel everywhere we went. While in active addiction, I never had a serious relationship, never anything more than a fling, nothing real. I never had someone I could be there for. I couldn't be there for myself. How would it be possible to show up for someone else? It always resulted in one of two ways. I get too drunk all the time. Then the girl wants nothing to do with me. Or the girl does stick around, but my fear of commitment takes over. Fear that she might try and change me. Fear that she will find out about us, my addiction and I. Then addiction begins to do the reasoning. Either way, I was in a lose-lose situation. It came to a point in my final year of addiction that I didn't even bother. I had nothing but hate for my addicted self. There was no point. I wouldn't even try to approach girls while out or have any kind of confidence if sober. I had completely given up. I began staying at home when friends went to the bar because I didn't even want to deal with it. Addiction had won. It had me all to itself. I wasn't distracted by anything else, not ambition, hope, drive, courage, happiness, or the thought of a romantic interest. Everything was gone. There was also something else that was hidden underneath all of this. What did this all boil down to? At the end of the day, why couldn't I get a hold of myself? Through all of my struggles, fear played a major role in me getting to the other side. Fear of the unknown. Fear of what that other side may look like. I had been ruled by my addiction for so long that I could not imagine life without it. What would I do with myself? Can I even get over this? Would I be able to hang out with my friends? Would my way of life change for the better or worse? Would I like it? Would it last? All of these questions would routinely play out in my mind. When I would start to think about being done with it all and want to change, these tapes would begin playing on repeat over and over until there was only one way to silence them with distraction by substance. This was doing the trick until it wasn't. The distraction I was getting from drinking and using began to get shorter and shorter. I was no longer getting anything positive out of it. Every time I felt more alone, even when drinking with others, this feeling would overpower any sense of connecting to the moment I would have to remove myself from it. I had become more comfortable drinking by myself than in social contexts. This would amplify everything. 
Now, all I could think about was my problems while indulging in my biggest one. What had begun as a means to make me come out of my shell and connect with others had flipped and made me want to do the opposite, remove myself from social interaction, thus digging myself a deeper and deeper hole. Fear would feed my loneliness. There was also another fear, the fear of being found out and what others would think was one of the biggest questions on that tape. I was terrified by the idea of people finding out I quit drinking. Yes, quit drinking. I thought my life would be over. My thought process was if people find out that I had quit drinking and I am an alcoholic, then they won't respect me and my chances of becoming something more would be gone. At the time, I still thought I was going to be a hockey coach. I thought the possibility of this coming to light would ruin my chances because I wouldn't be trusted. This is how backwards my thought process and mindset had become. Thinking my life would be over because I became sober. What life exactly was I talking about? The one pretending that I had respect? They would then lose it because I tried to help myself? I can't be serious with these thoughts. You think that people respect the decision you're making now? You think in your current state, you can be trusted with any level of responsibility? Addiction had turned my ability to reason upside down. It was trying to dig its claws in even deeper as it knew I was starting to see it for what it really was. I was starting to ask questions and that is the start of change. I started to push back against these fears. I started to say, what the fuck does it matter? I was in such a dark place that even if the fears come true, it can't be worse than this. You don't know what the other side looks like because you have never tried it. If you never try, you will never find out. This might be the first time in my life that for a second, I was able to live in the moment. I was able to stop and evaluate my situation even with the little tools I had and my messed up reasoning, I could think it can't be any worse than this right here, right now. I was starting to accept it. Accept that I have no idea how I got here, but this is where I am. I have no idea what I need to do to remedy this, but I have to do something. What the other side may look like is a thought for a later day. I allowed myself to be open to the idea of change for the first time. Change, something that scares us all, but is necessary when we need more from ourselves. I accepted that I was no longer in control, but I could change. I have the ability to take it back. It is inside of me. I just have to want it. The fear of the unknown and being found out was one thing, but I was also experiencing it in another way. I was starting to fear for my overall health, but especially my brain function. I knew that the amount of alcohol and drugs I was consuming wasn't doing anything positive. Partner that with years of having my bell rung by a body check or a fist, and you don't have the ingredients for a good recipe. I had three diagnosed concussions from hockey 
with a total undiagnosed, probably in the double digits. I felt like I was losing my mind. I was forgetting almost everything. I had the constant walk into the room only to forget what I was looking for. Not here and there, but all the time. And not just at home, but out in public. While driving, I forget where I was going. When I was in school, I would have to read a line five times in order for it to even start to register. Studying for exams became pointless, as I could not remember or associate ideas and facts with each other. When I would try to focus, I would get headaches that felt like someone was putting pins through my temples. This was also right around the time where there was new information coming out about CTE, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, which is a progressive and fatal brain disease associated with repeated traumatic brain injury, including concussions and repeated blows to the head. It is also associated with the development of dementia. So of course in the doom and gloom state I, that I was in, I think I have some sort of it. Stemming from concussions and repeated hits to the head. The thought of this, drinking and drugging to excess, staying up to see the sun, depriving myself of sleep was leading to serious bouts of psychosis, depression, and anxiety. And those ideas of whether or not life was even worth living anymore. All of these fears, my depression and anxiety, the hangovers, my relationships brought me to my bottom. When I hit rock bottom, there was another moment of calm. When I finally gave in to alcohol's power over me, another weight was lifted. I had nothing to hide anymore. I had a truthful conversation with my parents. I was able to open myself up to the guilt and shame I was carrying. No more feelings of hiding the truth that would lead to disappointing them. Truth is, they already knew it all. Rock bottom was a rebirth of myself. Here I am, flesh and blood, no more secrets, nothing but a broken down body and mind, ready to be reborn, retooled and rebooted with a new program. Leaving it all behind, putting my life on hold and committing to a 30-day treatment program with the goal of restoring order. As we turn off the main highway onto the dusty gravel road, my nerves begin to kick into high gear. My stomach is nauseous, not from a hangover. I have no idea what lies ahead of me. All I can do is hope that it has the answers for everything I have brought to light so far. I hope the end of this road can symbolize the end of my self-destruction. My mom is in the driver's seat where she has been my entire life thousands of drop-offs at hockey practices, school, or friends' houses. Of all the rides, this being the most important one, it took 26 years to find it, but we did. We have different feelings. Mine anxiety, hers relief. She knows that for at least 30 days, I will be safe. In a way, I feel the same. I know that for 30 days, I don't have to worry about anything but me. If I truly give in, there is no opportunity to run and hide behind alcohol. I will have to face whatever comes up, and I am ready for that. 
no matter how terrified the thought of it makes me. We pull through the gates of the ranch, climb the final hill. The road is engulfed by trees. When we reach the top and it opens up, you can see the surrounding mountains. We pull into the parking lot, the main ranch house, a large, aged and inviting log cabin sits and waits. As we pull in, a lovely woman comes out to greet us. I grab my bags, hug my mom. We say our goodbyes. Tears streaming down her face, mine blank, as I turn and walk towards the unknown. 